So hello, welcome to episode eight of the Real World Fitness Podcast. Uh, back again with another guest this week. Uh, again, another guy that I've worked with for quite a few years. Um, again, top guy who knows his onions on his strength training, um, James Barrett. So James, I'll get him to introduce himself in a minute, but he was like a top level triple jumper. He's one of the fastest guys I've ever seen. Um, and well, I'll tell you about the stories of when he, I tried to get him to make me fast in a bit. <laughs> um, but he's, um, anyway, yes, he was a top level tri- triple jumper, um, found out he had chocolate knees and got injured in that. And so, uh, I, has had to massively change his own training, which is some of the stuff we're going to talk about today. Uh, he then got into PT and, um, yeah, just like, I think I've seen like his journey change over the years. So. I'll let him introduce himself and then we'll go into what we're going to talk about today. So go on, Jibbo, give us, a, give us an intro on yourself. Hello. Uh, yeah, I mean, you summed it up quite well there, to be honest. Um, used to jump into sand, did both my knees in at once, stopped jumping into sand. Uh, thankfully, I had a bit of a degree behind me and I already had a passion in training. So the coaching route became uh, an obvious choice, really. So... Go on, let's start down that then. So your what was your degree in? Applied sport and exercise science. Okay. So I take it was similar to me, it was a case of like sport. Well, for you play sport to a good level, maybe not so much. But then I thought I wanna wanna work in that. So uni is the the next best uh well, like the, to be honest. Um I had a year out from uni. I didn't actually I had no aspirations to go to uni to be honest. I had a year out um, training, sort of competing around um, is in Europe, competing and stuff like that. And then I got a phone call from Jonathan Edwards's coach. Um, well, not me directly. I got through a coaching network. I got word that I could I could be coached by him. Jonathan Edwards is the world record holder, still is. So it was a big opportunity, but it meant moving up to Newcastle. Um, and then becoming a student actually made it more affordable in a sense because I could get funding through all that. So I, I got funding through through all that. Um, but I mean, I'm glad I went to uni because I actually did really enjoy it. I do really enjoy learning. It was just at the time I was that focused on uh, trying to be best I could be, a professional athlete, getting to the Olympics, all that kind of stuff that uni felt like a distraction that I didn't really need. Okay, so then, how? Uh, I was going to say, what happened when you got injured, and then how did you, I guess, respond to that? So, <clears throat> I had um, I had patella tendonitis in both knees. Started off in one, um, progressed into both. Uh, that was I had patella tendonitis for about two years, really, and it, it was getting worse and worse. Um, I, I had physio quite regularly. I was doing all my physio exercises I was supposed to do, but I didn't stop uh, jumping and training, lifting heavy, doing some ridiculous plyos. So obviously, it didn't have the chance it needed to recover. So the tendonitis quickly turned, or steadily turned, into a tendinopathy. So that tendon started to wear away a bit. And then I was I was I was fully prepared to uh, give it a bit of a 
bit of a rest. I just wanted to get my qualifying distances. So I was in um, Portugal when I did it. Um, came down off this triple jump, did, did me hop, landed on my step, and it, it obviously just it had too much batter and it had worn away too much and it went. But then unfortunately, as that one went, reflexively, I'd already started fingering my other leg through. But I'd sort of, well, I'd collapsed on landing. So I put my other leg out in a very awkward position and managed to do that one in as well. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the best. To be honest, I didn't feel that defeated by that at the, at the time. I was in pain and I was a bit gutted, but it, it hadn't really um, sort of sunk in as to how much of an impact it was going to have. It took me a long time rehabbing it. I was probably about an 18-month period before I got back to, well, it was probably about a 12-month period before I got back to sprinting. Uh, and then in terms of jumping, I, I progressed into it. I started doing a few low-level plyos. And, um, you know, I could do things like box jumps and stuff because that's not actually a plyometric. Sorry, that's a little niggle that does me head in when people mention it. <laughs> um, so I could do all that, but then I, I tried. We, we arranged for me to try and do some little jumps. So I did some short approach, long jumps. Well, I did one short approach, long jump. And as soon as I jumped, it wasn't uh, severe, but I just opened up that hole again straight away. And that for me, so 18 months later after actually doing it is when I, that's when I had me, uh, me, Moment of dread when I thought, shit, game over. Um, so, yeah, I had my head up my ass for two or three weeks and then just found a different route, really. So what what was that then? What, what was the different route for you? Well, I mean, I've always, I've always, always, always been someone who loves to learn and loves uh, achieving basically. So if there's any kind of challenge to overcome or anything like that or any kind of prize to be won, I'm quite keen on having a go at it. Even just stuff like if I, I start something and I'm pants at it, I like to see myself progressing on it. So all I did after that initial two weeks was throw myself into the rehab again. Um, but I got involved in coaching. I basically started coaching my, um, with my squad some of the other squads because I had time left over and uh, when with uni I had a couple of modules based around coaching and on well, I had a lot of modules in the end about strength and conditioning um, so I mean it fitted in really well because I could do all that while I was going through with it so I could gain experience and I used a couple of case studies and all that kind of stuff off the back of it so that's kind of really what, what happened with that I just threw myself from that as I was rehabbing so, so how did you find the difference then? Because obviously in that setting, you're working predominantly with like, well, guys like you, high achievers, guys who are training for a specific outcome in terms mm. of you know, events, numbers they're trying, to, they're trying to hit. How did that differ to when you first started in the gym and training kind of, well, most of the general population clients um, who were after you know, losing a few pounds, getting a bit fitter, that kind of thing? Yeah, well, I, I did quite a bit of work up in Newcastle and it was all with uh, athletes, really. Quite a few sort of elite athletes, quite a few sub-elite. But like you said, it was all people 
who had come from a similar sort of place as me and they really wanted to strive to get to the best and do all that kind of stuff. I absolutely hated it when I started working with General Pop. <laughs> well, it's not that I hated it. I loved the I loved the idea of it and the principle of it. It took me actually a month or two of being kicked up the arse by other people saying, go and give it a go. Because my initial thought was I don't want to work with General Pop. And then when I got there and it was as I feared, uh, I did struggle. It was the it was the fact that the mindsets of the people I was used to working with, and obviously my own mindset compared to your general population client who just wants to sort of lose a bit of weight or feel a bit healthier, all that kind of. The mindsets were so different that it it genuinely blew my mind. Um, I, I remember talking to you the first week, being there, thinking I, I don't know how to do this. Just can't get my head around it. Yeah, it's I just said from the part I remember that conversation. And I guess I found it a little bit in terms of for us, we prioritize training, eating to a degree, and you know, like achieving an, an outcome in terms of I say health and fitness or you know, sport you know quite highly and so you know we naturally make time for the gym we naturally go if someone goes i'm going to say rehab stuff i'm not great at this one but like someone says right you need to do this for rehab to stop your your knee hurting or whatever you you, you go do it but then when you're working with people in the gym who have hectic like hectic job you know two kids or whatever at home and things like that you stru- struggle at times when it comes lower down the pecking order for them yeah i mean i I was set up for that and I understood all that. I wasn't expecting them to want to um, sort of achieve or drive as much as, as myself or athletes. I wasn't expecting that at all. But the bit, <laughs> the bit that used to always baffle me, and to be honest, every now and again I do still get baffled by it, is some, someone would come in and they'd say, oh, you know, I really want, I really want to lose weight because I've, I've got such and such as wedding coming up and I feel disgusting about my confidence is all time low we have this conversation we go through it I think yeah right and then like that evening they're having a cheesecake and I just I'm like what what are you doing what is going on here or you get someone coming and say oh my back's killing you go okay we work it all through right or they go to the physio they get their exercises and they come in oh my back's killing have you done your physio exercises no of course it is then it's like that they say what they really want but the actual drive to do it just doesn't seem to exist. That was the bit I had to get used to. And it, it's there, but like you said, you just need extra, extra guidance on getting it. So, I, well, good. Two parts to this question. I was going to say, what, what's changed in your head in terms of your approach to that? Because I remember times when you can see pretty much as blunt as going, well, it's, it's going to, you don't do that. You're not going to, you're not going to feel any better and sort of like we're pretty blunt with people. So what's changed in your head for that? And what have you, I guess, what have you changed about your approach to working with clients to try and get that drive out of people and change, effectively change their behavior? I can't lie. I don't think I'm any less blunt. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't think that's changed that much. I think I I could explain things in in a fair way, but I think I do point out um, because you can't, uh, the way I view it anyway, is there's no point lying to them. But I, I tend to be quite blunt with them. We'll break it down in terms of why isn't it happening or anything like that. 
But um, I think I'm just, I approach it in a, in a, a bit more of a steadier fashion is all. So I, I know in my head that they definitely do want it. I don't have to sort of, I don't get fooled by their behaviours, if that makes sense. I know they do want it. It's just a case of, yes, I might have to be blunt and say, look, that isn't going to cut it. What's the problem? Why can't we get it? Let's work together. Let's find a way to get to where we need to get to. And again, it works like that for me because it, it still comes down to learning and achieving. If I, for me then as a coach, I find that actually quite fun because it's like, right, why can't this person do what they say they really want to do? Let's break that down. Let's work on that. It becomes an extra, uh, extra thing to work through, which I, which I do enjoy. So, do you find there's a massive difference in that between coaching, in terms of kind of general general population clients versus kind of athletic performance clients? Do you feel like at that end of the spectrum, it's more coaching in terms of technique and making sure like they can say maximize the power output or whatever to achieve? like bigger jumps or whatever versus the mindset stuff and the, that you no, probably not. Okay. Absolutely not. If you've ever trained a footballer, you'd know full well, you know, the bone idle lazy, the pain in the fucking house. <laughs> <laughs> Proper pain in the house. They make general pop look like saints. So yeah, no, I don't think, I, I mean, I've got plenty of general population clients who are absolute beasts. I love them. They just yeah. can't be stopped. I mean, uh, my oldest client, he's in his, uh, he's definitely in his 80s. I was going to say, you've got to be careful there when you say that, in case yeah. he's listening. He, he's, in his, he's an absolute machine. He really is. He's class. Can't be stopped. So, no, it, I mean, I definitely think that the longer you're in the game, the more you attract the clients who are most suited to you. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember taking on a client in the last two, maybe three years that just wasn't suited to me. Bang on. You know what I mean, they, they, fit, they fit in with my personality, my um, mentality, my approach. It just all it all flowed really well. So no. I think that just is a factor. I was going to say that's worlds apart from we spoke about this before. Um, about the conversation we had, where you were like, I feel like I'm everybody. I'm, I'm having to be a cheerleader in the yeah. in the gym for my clients, and it's like that's not that's not me and who, and who I am. No, I mean I I love to celebrate people's successes, but one of the biggest things for me it's obviously must must be connected to a value of my own. But I love watching people overcome things or digging deep you know, just determination out of people. So when, when I'm faced with someone who's like, I call them wet wipes. You know, I, I, I want to help, but there's only so much I can do. I have no issue whatsoever with anyone moaning, venting, complaining. Go for it. It's the complete ignorance in terms of not willing to actually follow through or find a solution with it that I just cannot stand. That, that does my head in. I mean, I've got, I've got clients who moan every session. Every session they moan, but they get through it every session. It's just part of the process to, they almost have to beat themselves up to G themselves up to actually get it done. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. It, I'm okay with that. And it is, I've had that. I've said it to a couple of clients in the past. I said, look, I don't mind you coming in and having a moan at me. Like, ah, as long as you're willing to accept 
that we, you know we get we've got to try and work to find a solution for it. If you want to come in and just offload and when but you're not willing to try and find a, a solution, then it's like we, we're not talking about it. Um, it. It's you know it's 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 got to serve a purpose. Uh, otherwise, it is just having, having a whinge and bit of a bit of a sap. Sometimes, to be fair, just venting off can be that can be the purpose just to get it off your chest. But it's a three strikes and you're out rule for me. If you, if you carry on talking about it three times in a row, I'll I'll uh, I'll mention it. So, if we try to like let's take this into the current situation then of where we're at. So we've all been handed a pretty big obstacle over the last what four weeks now in the next three weeks to come if not potentially longer with the the current sort of lockdown so how have you gone about that i guess with yourself but you know probably more so with your clients uh i mean my clients are pretty sorted we um most of them have got a bit of kit before the um massive surge to buy a load of gym kit i got most of them in there just in time to buy a bit of kit most of them just a couple of kettlebells some of the guys who are a bit more into it have bought a bit more off the back of it um so that's not really an issue my advice to anyone i mean you tough tits now really trying to get hold of them but if you can get some kettlebells i think personally in this current climate it's the most you can get the most work done with a kettlebell you can, I mean, if you can buy a barbell and a rack and a bench and all that kind of stuff, then you're on. But A, you need the space. A, B, it's pretty expensive. Um, and C, good luck. I must have seen that. Like, every time you go on Instagram, the whole world, it seems to be sharing all these competitions, like giveaways of like a, yeah. a home gym from various companies. <laughs> I'm like, I keep getting tagged in them. <laughs> like, I can't. Where, where am I going to put it in my house? I haven't got the root space. I haven't got a baby to put like a, a whole rack and everything in my, in my house. But so go on then. So why do you think kettlebells are the like probably one of the one of the best tools for the job at the minute? Then. So um, I mean, with kettlebells, you can even if you're a beginner, you can still work on the basic movements because at the end of the day it's just a heavy metal ball so you can do your squats your hinges um presses rows you can do all that for the people who are a bit more advanced or can produce a bit more force you can still challenge yourself quite a lot with ballistic work essentially whenever we're doing um any kind of jumping motion swinging motion any kind of snatching motion the the force is coming from the acceleration or the kinetic energy that you're actually producing so the best way of thinking about it, so if we look at like kettlebell swings, the way I see most people do kettlebell swings makes me want to run through a window. Right. Hang on. Um, but th- th- this is a gripe of mine. <laughs> you said that before about box jumps not being plyometric. Kettlebell swings, we see somebody like almost going into a slow motion squat and then standing up and raising, yeah. like lifting the kettlebell with their arms. Oh. Nothing. The chocolate I, fire guard. Uh, it makes pet hate of mine. Yeah, absolutely shite. But if you get them right, so step one is learning how to use them. But if you can get them right and you can actually throw them back down, you, you create a huge amount of kinetic energy. And then if you can absorb and overcome that kinetic energy very fast, you're producing a huge amount of force. That makes sense? Yeah. So the best way to think about it, if I had a kettlebell above my head and I dropped it and it landed on my foot, 
it would hurt quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yep. If you were stood in front of me and I had a kettlebell above my head and I actively threw it down on your foot as hard as I can, your foot would be gone. Oh yeah, I wouldn't, kinetic energy. I wouldn't thank you for that. No, but that's kinetic energy. Yeah. So when you're doing a swing, if you're just sort of letting it flop down and you're doing this weird, squatty, curtsy, flippy thing, you're achieving nothing. If you're doing a proper powerful hinge and you're actively throwing that kettlebell down back at yourself, you're generating a huge amount of force that you have to absorb and then overcome back out. There's, there's a couple of studies where they've taken someone who admittedly is quite good at swings, so it's not just a general pop who doesn't know how to do it, but it's a, an example of how much you can get out of it. They've taken someone with a 24-kilogram kettlebell and asked them to swing it, and with each swing they've produced over 500 pounds worth of force, which is 230, 230 kilograms, almost 10 times the amount of force of the actual weight of the bell, which is ridiculous. If you think then about doing 20 reps in a set, massive amount of work forth in a very short space of time hence why your heart rate goes through the roof and hence why you can turn yourself into a bit of a fat burning furnace and why uh, swings and snatches can still actually generate a bit of strength gain going on yeah that so like i like to think i knew how to swing a kettlebell and things beforehand but that was probably one of the things i remember you you know when you did a session with us all on um hip hinging was talking yeah. about throwing the kettlebell down. I was probably guilty of almost just, you know, you get to the top of a kettlebell swing and almost just letting it drop. Uh, yeah. So you, you'd almost forget about it, feeling like, right, I've done the hard work in terms of like extending the hips, throwing the kettlebell forward. But then when you said, right, I want you to throw it back through your legs with your arms, you know, came out of it afterwards going, wow, like hamstrings, yeah. glutes, you feel it when you've... Uh, You've done that, you can feel it. Like wrong. When you're learning how to do a swing, you don't want to be chucking it back at yourself too hard. <laughs> That's when you do just, you, I call it the, the thrust and float. You smash it up and just let it float back towards you. Because that's enough. Because the fact that gravity is pushing it is enough to begin with. Yeah. But absolutely. As you get better at it. And that's the other reason for kettlebells. You can progress your ballistics on kettlebells without having to actually add weight to it. It's like... It sounds, I spoke about this with Sam a bit last week, because it almost sounds too simple. Yeah, that's exactly why most people don't do all the best things. The things that give you the most return are simple. They just tend to be hard, which, again, from an athlete perspective, it's like, I would definitely like to do that. It's simple, and I can put a lot of effort in, and it works. From general pop for whatever reason, it's some kind of human psychology. If it's hard work, it's a bit like, oh, I'm not sure. If it looks too simple and it's not shiny and new and fake, they're a bit like, oh, no, that can't work. Yeah. But yeah, put apple cider vinegar in your eyeball and pick a spoon up with your bum cheeks and they're all over it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like we've spoken about in previous podcasts and stuff, but people almost neglect something like say pass over it. if it looks simple i can't can't be any good that i don't don't need that let's go for something that's uh really complicated tie myself up in bands and uh it's obviously one of, my, really one of my number one things is if you want an extraordinary result it's, it's just extra ordinary that's all it is it's just ordinary simple stuff done really really well yeah you know usain bolt breaking the world record he's sprinting Anyone can get up and run as fast as they can, but no one can do it like Usain Bolt. 
it's, it's, it's just an ordinary thing done incredibly well. And the tra- your training and nutrition shouldn't really be anything different than that. Anyone who makes it more complicated as a coach doesn't truly understand it. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're, we're all learning. And anyone who does that as a, a client or someone who's trying to coach themselves, again, you're making it harder for yourself and you're probably going to do all this extra work and thinking for no, no actual return. I've got a couple of, um, couple of sub-elite cricketers in India at the moment and their passion is fantastic, but Christ, they don't, they don't half overthink everything. Just turns into this massive ordeal every time. It's like, nope, chill out. Send them these programs over and they're like, what else do I do? I said, that's it. Just do that. Just do it really well. And then in two weeks, we'll, we'll, we'll come back and see where you're at. But that's, that's all it is. But then I'm always amazed, and I've done it with plenty of my colleagues and clients. Even, you know, I get athletes who can come in and they can lift an absolute house or they're, they're professional, you know, and they can do these crazy athletic things. And I ask them to do some really simple stuff and they fall to pieces. And then even after I show them that, they go, right, well, when are we getting back to this? It's like, you you're good at that and we can do that in a minute. Let's just take care of the stuff that's actually holding you back. But people forget it. You know, you stand on, I've, I think I've done it with you before with the kettlebell. Yeah. Pass stand that's on exactly one leg. Right, exactly what I was thinking about just then when you said that. Yeah. So you demonstrate it to people and you think, right, okay. And they have a go and they're absolutely shocking. They're shocking. I've yet to find, well, actually I found one person who could do it on one leg. It wasn't brilliant, but he could do it. It's just, it's basics. But then you say, so you can't stand on one leg while passing a kettlebell across, but you do want to try and deadlift twice your body weight every day. It's like just, I'm not saying that you have to be able to, but it's like, just think about it a little bit. You know, if you're, if you're an athlete, a rugby player, for example, and you come to me saying, I want to get faster, and I want to improve my sidestep, and you can't stand on one leg, what's the point? <laughs> it's, when, I, when you explain it like that to people, people just don't think of it like that. But yeah, that example James is talking about. So this exercise, this kettlebell pass over. So basically you stand on one leg with a kettlebell in one hand and you just, you just pass it from one hand to the other. And obviously because it changes, you know, your center of gravity, you have to uh, like react and uh, ad- like ad- adapt to that, that kind of change. So I think you'd given it, you've given it loose first, haven't you? You've given it my wife first because she'd been, uh, I think she was coming from an ankle injury or something at the time. I gave it to wife. So you, you gave it to her. Um, oh, there we go. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so she was doing that and been doing it for a few weeks. And then you said to me, oh, you know, you probably need to do it. I think I'd tweet something with rugby and you're like, give that a try and just see how you, see how you go to start with. And uh, I think she was doing it with about an eight, maybe a 10 kilo kettlebell, something like that. And I went, oh, that'd be all right. I'll give that a go. <laughs> she nearly fell over when I did it. <laughs> I put my foot down and went, uh, nearly went flying. I felt like, a, yeah. let's say, it's, it's, often I had a client who said this in the past. He said, like, you know, the the worst things in the gym were the, or the things that were hardest were the things that involved either body weight or no weight at all. Uh, or, sorry, or, or very little weight at all. Um, it was only, like, you know, if you – if I went over to him with like a pair of 20 or kilo dumbbells, he's like, I'll be all right here. So I'd be away. If I went yeah. with a pair of like one kilo dumbbells or something like that, and he's like, oh God, this is going to be painful. This is going to be hard. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. The irony is with the simple stuff is you usually progress really, really fast. 
which then means you can you can move on to the next step and level up. And then when you look at like a six months time span, you can achieve loads. But then if you get someone, you get other people, the majority, who go, right, I want to achieve this, 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 and this within the next four weeks and obviously achieve absolutely nothing. In four weeks' time, let's face it, probably three weeks' time, they try and do it again. And they think, all right, this is it this time. And it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It's too much going on. You've got to identify where the best things are, things that are going to give the biggest return, get good at them, then move on to the next bit. Same with nutrition. And I guess you can chunk that down for mindset as well. I was going to say, so how do you deal with that from a mindset point of view? Because I'll own my hands up here, and so I've been guilty of this in the past, of going, right, I, need, I know I need to do X, Y, and Z for whatever niggles and injuries and whatever I've had. And then you go, after you, you start it, you do it, and you go, this is boring. I'm not good at it. I hate like, doing it, but that going to try and deadlift twice my body weight or whatever is that's cool i'll get I'll, you know what i get back to doing that again how do you deal with that with that disconnect between I've got, well i'm here but i want to get to all the way over there and i want to get there like i say now but in terms of just people who i guess find say find it boring don't do that kind of that kind of stuff they try and jump ahead yeah so my personal approach with myself and with my clients and athletes uh, it's very much a case of, look, we want the big picture, so X, whatever that big goal is. I then break it down. So say, so let's, uh, let's use someone trying to get faster as an example because you can break it down quite simply and it works with what we've talked about already. So let's say uh, person X, my client, wants to get faster. Okay, They want to sprint faster. I go, great, you want to sprint faster. But looking at all the things we've assessed, we know that you're actually lacking a bit of strength you're very elastic in plyometrics, so that's fine. That's the stuff that they'll want to do all the time. That's, that's their fun. And they're like, I want to do more. But what you have to get across is it will actually give you no return and you'll end up with chocolate knees like me. <laughs> you say, leave that alone. Let's just get you stronger for a bit. As you're getting stronger, we're going to look at all these other little bits and pieces that, for example, you can't stand on one leg, but you want to be able to sprint really fast. Every time you hit the floor, you're going to be like a spongy cake rather than a nice stiff spring. So let's work on all those. And you just, you make it simple, you make it short. I think a massive part of um, rehab stuff typically is a bit like warm-ups. I never use the word warm-up when I'm working with clients or yeah, athletes. As soon as you say warm-up, they just take it like it's nothing. My, uh, my whole mantra for warm-ups is when you can't tell when the warm-up's finished and the session's begun, that's an actual warm-up. So... I never say warm-up, I just say this is how we're starting it. This, I might say, right, so with the prep, this is the activation, maybe, depending on who I'm working with. But it's the same thing with the rehab stuff. It's, it shouldn't be, right, do your three sets of 20 of your clamshells here, and then, nah, it's boring. Do the stuff that actually, A, is a bit of a challenge. Because, again, with this kettlebell swap-over, just as an example, most people make a massive improvement in a week or two because they have a go at it, they don't stop their set usually until they've done it at least once, which yeah. means they stop exactly when they should do. Um, and it's a bit of a challenge, it's a bit of fun, but from a learning perspective, your hip and ankle are having to communicate together and all you're worried about as a person or an athlete is can I get this from here to there? It's just a challenge to overcome. It's not lying on the floor doing 20 clamshells. So I think you've got to make it an actual um, 
an actual exercise. There's a difference between an exercise and a and a or a drill and a um, an exercise in terms of well, we'll just do this, we'll just do that. Because anyone who enjoys doing that is uh, clinically insane. I was going to say there's a lot of you, you'll probably say that, I again I probably thought it, but not having the knowledge in strength training and things that you have that a lot of the stuff from I guess physio and rehab is if not the same there's a lot of crossover with strength training and you know yeah. whatever you want to call it it's, you know they almost mirror and and sort of the like problem with um, the problem with the exercises physios give and this isn't physios fault necessarily there are some fantastic physios who will know better but they can't deliver better because you go to a physio and then you leave the physio's office with exercises to do you can't give um, you can't give the big stuff and the great stuff, the stuff that actually challenges and, and gets people progressing really fast without being there. Because you need to coach people and help people. You need to progress and regress on the day. I mean, I've done stuff with people where I've completely changed. You know, someone will, even colleagues will send a client to me saying, this person cannot squat. They can't do it. Don't know how to do it. If you can find a way. And I take them back 25 minutes later and they've done it. It's just about understanding how to not talk to the human, but talk to the nervous system. It's as simple as that. But delivering that on a piece of paper, walking out of a physio office is, is hard work. Yeah. So the problem is, is you end up leaving with all these little shit exercises that you don't want to do rather than working on. Because again, it's, it's human nature. Anyone, regardless of who you are, if you can see progression right there and then, never mind in a week or two weeks, you're all about doing it. If you sat on the floor doing your shit exercises and you're bored out your mind, especially if you've gone to the gym, that always blows my mind. I always tell my clients, don't come to the gym and do it. Try and do it at home as much as you can because as soon as you come to the gym, you want to go and play. You don't, <laughs> you don't want to be doing all your little uh, glute oh, band work with. It's like torturing yourself, isn't it? Lying in the like the stretching abs area, doing like your clamshells or your like yeah. activation stuff or whatever. Seeing everyone chucking weights around, it's horrible. But again, there's such a there's such a massive surge on it now as well in terms of everyone's telling you you need to activate your posterior tibialis and you should do your foam rolling, you should you know do all your myofascial release. That make sure you do mobility. People spend an hour in the gym and do fuck all. It's like your number one goal, regardless of what you're trying to achieve, in my opinion, for when you're going in the gym is to get strong. You should, that, if all you ever did was try and get stronger, all your other qualities can improve. That's the foundational quality. If you're trying to get more powerful, great, but you have to have a certain amount of strength. If you're trying to lose fat, great, but you have to have a certain amount of strength. That's the one. If you can get stronger, everything tends to improve with it. If you're going in the gym and you're not doing something to get stronger, you're wasting your time. I like, come from my perspective in terms of m most of my clients. Well, I have well, my clients are to do, like from a body composition, fat loss, like kind of background, or that you know that's what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. Trying to get that into because if you get stronger, we can keep progressing what you're doing. You're therefore going to burn more calories, and you you know yeah. as you put it before, you're going to turn into a, like a fat burning furnace. The more you can lift and you can do that, the the better. If you're just you know if you're not, you're just going through the motions when you go in the gym you're going to hit a wall in terms of how much you can expend pretty, pretty soon. Um, well, I, used the, um, I used a little bit of fun on the, uh, the ski erg machines at Total to sort of prove that point to a few of my clients. Wank. So it was basically 
um, 30 seconds to get as many calories or meters or what's whatever you whatever you fancy it didn't really matter but we did it together and i beat all my clients just simply because i'm stronger and more powerful than my clients i'm not necessarily fitting in them all i think i could rival a few but I'm, i can generate more force than they can especially in a set time frame where i can repeatedly go i, I am quite a naturally explosive person so then when you look at that in terms of the calories burned, we've both done 30 seconds work, we've both worked our socks off, but if I've gone double the calories, and then you translate that across to everything you're doing, like you said, there's a difference between doing a set of 10 and doing a set of 10 on anything. You know, if, I, if I'm walking around doing a set of 10 with 100 kilograms and you're still doing an empty bar, I'm doing a lot more work than you. <laughs> all right, all right. So the fact is, go on. Just gonna Have say you got past the empty bar yet? But occasionally you can get like you know the little pink, uh, pink barbells and that on the weights on the on the end of it. But it's very just simple, man. It's, it's on a good day. But, but yeah, strength's got to be the quality. I think that's like you make a good point there because, like, for people who don't know you, to say you do any exercise, any cardio, like. It doesn't happen if it, if it goes over thirty seconds. No, well, it, turn that back. If it goes over about six or ten seconds, it's like cardio for you because it, you didn't say you're that explosive. So, get my own back on year. So, when the f- first, I say like right. team meeting we had in the gym, we, we decided we we're going to go and do uh, swimming races in the pool. <laughs> so we split up into groups of whatever, like six of us, five of us, something like that, and had like relay races against the other team. So we did effectively four lengths so we, did, we had one race where you know, everyone went to like far end and back so you did what two lengths in a race of, with five other people and then we had a bit of a chat and went right go we'll have a rematch did it again and then we all went right that's enough of that we'll go and uh we'll go and sit in the jacuzzi sat in the jacuzzi and everyone's like where's uh where's james gone I don't know i'm not seeing him did he go ah, next minute he comes back through bright white you know where you been he goes I had to go and throw up. You couldn't deal with a lactate and do four lengths in the pool. <laughs> in my defence, I can't swim for toffee and it took me a very long time to swim those lengths. <laughs> it was a maximum effort for far too long, but yeah, that proper did me in. I don't know if you did that 30 seconds on the ski with your clients and I had to go and find a bin afterwards. No, I, I just uh, I said, should we go for a walk and didn't say anything, just let them talk at me instead. Just let them think it's for their recovery. That, that there and back was a lot longer than 30 seconds and it was miserable. <laughs> that was hard. Yeah. It was very hard. There was also the element of I didn't want to be the new guy who let the team down. <laughs> so I had to commit. And I'm slightly competitive. Just so I had to go for it. But yeah, if, word of warning, if you can't swim, don't try racing. Oh, sw- I also probably drank half the pool. Oh, swimming, to be fair, when I knackered my ankle last last year year before I can't remember what it was now and like I couldn't do any real weight bearing on it got into doing a bit of swimming and nothing you just feel so inefficient and just suddenly feel after not doing very much like your whole body's burning uh, so I do I do feel your pain with that it's impressive um, though when you watch someone who's really good at swimming isn't it oh massively massively just glide so right let's round it up there I think we've covered enough stuff and we've gone kind of around full full circle gone from mindset through strength back to mindset and everything again um so just to finish off with 
Um, I always put people on the spot with this. So, so best piece of advice for somebody either just starting training or the bit of plateau in the gym looking to get going again? Best bit of advice? Find a way. There's always going to be obstacles, but if you look at them as uh, opportunities, you'll always keep on progressing. Like that. And if you can't find a way, find someone else who can help you find the way. There's plenty of great trainers out there. Definitely. So on that note then, where can people find you on social media or wherever? Jimbo Barrett on Instagram. Uh, Barrett Strength and Edition on Facebook. Uh, BarrettSC.com is the website. Cool. So thank you very much. I think hopefully there's loads to pick out there. Considering we didn't really have a plan when we started this, we're just going to have a chat and see where we went. What about uh, winging it? And see what I think that was, uh, that was really good. So thank you for coming on. Um, everyone for listening um as always um please if you've enjoyed it leave us uh, a review and leave us a five star rating if you've enjoyed it if you've not enjoyed it just don't leave us a review or anything like that but hopefully you've enjoyed it and hopefully you've got some out of it so leave us uh, five stars and uh, a nice review um as always you can find me at coach rimmer on instagram and twitter and at coach on facebook uh, i'll be back with you next week take care and we'll see you then